Welcome, everyone. It is the Fly Guys Podcast. Justin Goodart alongside Cameron Klein. Cameron Klein, it is Victory Sunday. It's Victory Sunday. You're sitting in Newtown, Pennsylvania. I'm sitting in Harrisburg, but it doesn't matter. It's all the same. It's Victory Sunday. The Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, my God. What a turnaround from what I was talking about them on this very show a couple years ago. I was screaming into my mic in a much different way than I'm screaming into my mic right now about how bad Howie Roseman was, how bad the team was. Doug Peterson sucks. Carson Wentz sucks. Everyone sucks. And now they're going to the NFC. They're not just going. They're hosting the NFC Championship game, another home NFC title game. It is the seventh time since the 2000s began that the Eagles are even in the NFC title game. It is the sixth or I'm sorry, the fifth time that they're hosting it. Cameron, I'm bringing you in now. Uh, oh my god! Oh my god! They killed them. I mean, we're not really surprised, right? Like, it's funny. Okay, <laughs> well, like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking about this. Remember the Tennessee Titan game this year with the Eagles? Yes. Going into that game, I remember you and I were talking about it. I was like, you know, how do you feel? Blah blah blah. I remember you saying you were nervous, and I was like, that's typical Philadelphia, just nerves before a game because you have no reason to be nervous. And I don't feel that because I'm not a, a diehard Eagles fan. And I was like, dude, they're, they're going to crush the Titans. Like, they're going to crush them. And they did. I found myself in that same typical Philadelphian fear going into this game as well. Because it was a little bit different, right? Like, playoffs, all logic goes out the window. Yes. It's a divisional game. Absolutely. So, like, there's the extra emotion of that kind of shit, mm-hmm. too. The Giants are a well-coached team that just beat the Vikings. Like, it's a good team. Mm-hmm. The better team won. I mean, I, I thought it was going to be more competitive. I, I did think it was going to be more I competitive. I did, too. But I I thought the Eagles were going to win. I didn't think it was going to be like that, man. I didn't think they were going to absolutely. They were on pace to have, like, six different players score touchdowns. Like, everybody was scoring. Kenny Gainwell with 112 yards. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Who is Kenny Gainwell? <laughs> and to go back to how you started this, saying how, like, you know, a couple years ago, we're talking all this shit on Howie Roseman. I will say one thing, to our credit, because we do deserve to be limbasted, as most of Philadelphia does for their reactions yes. at that time, because we were all just being reactionary. But one thing we were all saying was run the ball. And that's what this team's been doing, and that's what they've been doing successfully. So we were right about one thing. Run the ball, you'll win games, and they're built to do it, and they're doing it well. So... Can't be surprised. I, it's it. So they they begin the game. Obviously, like you know, we could go into so many different facets about this game, and uh, I definitely do want to touch up on the other games that are happening today, as well as some of the other games that have happened um, already in the playoffs. Yeah, but, yeah, we still haven't talked. We haven't talked about the Dolphins. So, we haven't talked about the Dolphins yet, and I definitely do want to kind of just kind of put a cap on their season because there's plenty to say with that game. Uh, but the game started out, yeah. Philadelphia getting the ball first. I was actually, normally I'm very much a pro, you know, defer to the second half, you know, get the ball to start the second half type Same. thing. But Same. this was, this felt different this time. I felt like I needed to see the Eagles offense come out there first because all eyes were going to be on Jalen Hurts. How is the shoulder feeling? Everyone, again, mm-hmm. for the last two weeks, oh, he's in a lot of pain. Hey, he's not 100%. I mean, Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts were not doing a whole lot to quell that fear that he'd be you know, at a much higher level from that injury compared to where he was when he played in Week 18. But not only does he come out, and I mean, that deep ball to Devontae Smith to open up the game was as beautiful a throw as you're going to see Jalen Hurts make, but the offensive fluidity, the offensive mojo, the rhythm, oh my, from the word go, they were in so much rhythm. 
They get the opening touchdown. Dallas Goddard, you know, people were all impressed with one-handed catch. I've seen Dallas Goddard do that before. That didn't <laughs> surprise me. He's a very he's an elite top five in this league tight end. He's an unbelievable tight end. Yeah. He scores, and then I'm thinking, okay, in week 14, when we killed the Giants, we got off to the early start, and then we got a quick, th- you know, we got them off the field. What happens in this game? The Giants are faced with a fourth and eight, and Cameron, I am as aggressive as a football mind as anyone is going to be. I'm always pro go for it. Fourth and eight, backed up near your own forty, you know, back up to your to the Eagles' forty yard line. I think you got to play the field position game. I probably would have punted there or tried a long field goal. I I would not have gone for it. I just would not have gone for it there. They did. They get sacked near midfield. Eagles go right back down the field. Bing, bang, boom. Devontae Smith, it's 14-0. And at that point, Cameron, I knew this game is over. The, these teams, they're not even in the same universe at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, I like that you mentioned how they came out and they, they were just ready to go because that's how they've been all year. Like, yes. like honestly, from, from week one. And that was kind of like used as a flaw for them where it was like, well, they come out really hot and then they kind of trail off second half, third you know third quarter, that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. yes. They've made that improvement since then. And I think I, I want to credit myself, as I normally do. Uh, I think it happened <laughs> with that Washington game on Monday night, the first game they lost. And I was like, this is an important loss. They need to feel this loss because this will matter when they get to the playoffs because they're going to get to this point where they're going to have to come out after the half where they're winning the game, but you got to keep your foot on the gas. And they've just been doing that the second half of the season. They're just doing yeah, they're – there, I, uh, there's obviously the, the the thoughts and the comments about the competition level they're playing against, but mm-hmm. they're just it's textbook they're, they're, beautiful football every week. It really is it's the best way to this, describe th- it. This was tactical. This was this yeah. was manslaughter. This was just surgical. domination of the highest level. It was surgical. It was it's surgical. I love that. Yeah. Um, from the Giants side of things, to talk about quickly, you know, kind of how the game went for them. I mean, you want to talk about everything that could have possibly gone wrong for that New York team went wrong for that team within the first <laughs> 10 minutes of that game. Yeah. I don't think they did a single thing right within those first 10 minutes. They get the, the, you know, Daniel Jones has the great scramble play where he finds Matt Breida for a 19-yard gain. You're thinking, okay, here we go, here we go. And then next play, boom, James Bradbury, former Giant, interception. And I'm and whatever, whatever life might have existed in that Giants team before that interception had to have been sucked out of them once that interception happened. It was just, as you said, surgical. Now, the only negative, the only negative I have from this game is the fact that A.J. Brown looked like he got a little banged up towards the end of the game. But even he kept saying, I'm good. I, in reality, now that I look back on it, he might have just been angry that he didn't get, you know, more. You know, I think he expected a bigger game from himself. But... Even then, like, he was good. Devontae Smith was great. Dallas Goddard was great. Miles Sanders was so good. He was just picking apart the Giants. The, the Eagles' offensive line, it, it is really not talked about enough, even though it gets talked about so much in the beginning of the season. Not so much right now. The Eagles' offensive line dominates pretty much week in and week out. Jason Kelsey, the best center in football. Lane Johnson, he's the best right tackle in football. Lane Johnson at 70% is better than pretty much every other fully healthy right tackle out there. Left tackle Jordan Mailata, he's been better of late. 
Landon Dickerson, when he's not on the ground in pain, he's really good. Isaac Sayamalo doesn't get talked about at all. Sayamalo is a very steady-handed right guard. This is a team that lost Brandon Brooks to retirement because of his injuries, and a lot of people were worried about that side of the line. Isaac Sayamalo has been plugged in and played great there. The offensive line didn't just dominate. They turned those men, Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, uh, Leonard Williams, they turned those men into small children last night. It was it was horrible for a Giants fans' perspective. Horrible. I think you're you also got to remember, you know, not you're forgetting, not forgetting, but I mean Jeff Stalin, offensive line coach. Oh yeah. Hey, I mean, what do real. you say about a guy like that? Let's Come be on. Real. Like most, a lot of these guys, my lot was a damn rugby player. Kelsey mm-hmm. was taken in, in a late round, right? He was taking what fourth round, fifth round, sixth round. He was a sixth, sixth round, round pick. pick. He he yeah, something about that dude. He's a cra- he's insane. <laughs> insane. And you're right though, like. It, it doesn't. It, it does get credit, but it doesn't get credit. It's a weird thing because like no one talks about the Eagles' offensive line because the discussion ends immediately. It just goes, "Well, it's the best offensive line in of football," and then you just move. <laughs> and then you just move past. Move on, it. move on to the next like, thing, right? So like they don't they don't really get the credit because the credit is just like, "Oh well, yeah, they're the best." But, you know, move on. Like who gives a shit? Like move past that. But yeah, no, their offensive line has played as they have played all season. AJ Brown. I, I mean, dude, I think. He's fine. Let's be real. Like, dude, he, he didn't go out to the locker room, anything like that. Whatever it was, it was no. probably something nagging, and he said mm-hmm. that it was nagging him. The coaches were like, all right, but we're up by 30 points. You're done. And then he got pissed no. off naturally because he's A.J. Brown. He's like, fuck that. I want to ball out and play the game. Like, <laughs> what the hell? And every player is going to say they're good to go, even if they're not. So, like, it's whatever. But the fact that he never went back to the locker room, he's fine. It's a playoff injury. He's probably going to be in pain. Listen, that's football. You're going to be in pain all the time. He's going to be in pain. No one, no one's 100% at this point of the right. year. Right. If it no was one. week three, okay, he might sit a game or two. It's not. It's the playoffs. You're going to the NFC Championship game. He's going to play, and he's going to play hard. And it's he might hurt himself more. But, hey, that you can recover during the offseason. That's the mindset right now. He's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. I would worry more about you know who's going to win today between Dallas and San Francisco, even though I – San Francisco, I think I'd be a little more nervous about. Yeah. Dallas, I'm not worried at all. I don't think, except for the fact that it's a division rivalry game. But I, I just, Dallas to me has proven when they're really, really tested, they haven't proven to me that they can overcome that test. And you're coming into Philadelphia in January? I don't I don't think they're getting to Philadelphia. I don't think they I, are I either. Just, I, I just can't just see them could. beating this Niners team. And yes, I think most fans would prefer to see the Cowboys. Honestly, but the, I don't. The Niners are the I have team. I have not even thought about it. I don't know who I want to see. I just want to watch them. These guys beat yeah. the crap out of each other. You hope it's a and, physical, long, uh, grueling game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be okay if this game went into six overtimes, right. and these guys are just <laughs> doggone yeah. exhausted when yeah. it's all said and done. Um. What I'll, you know, to wrap things up on the Eagles real quick. Yeah. The most, the one thing that really warmed my heart throughout the game, the Eagles winning this game wasn't the storyline. It was the Eagles' dominance. If they had come in and won 24 to 19, we'd be sitting here going, yeah, they, uh, the Giants must have been really improved. They really gave the Eagles everything we had. But then there would be this lingering thought of they're not back to form, and that's mm-hmm. a problem. Last night, the Eagles left no doubt on the football field Mm-mm. that they were not only back to form, but the Giants are a B-list tier team, and the Eagles belong in the A-list tier. The, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, the, the, the Niners of the world, they belong there. 
Um, yeah. I believe that really the last month of football we had seen was not who they were. That play down to Chicago was not who they were. You can, people will say, oh, you can't count the, the Dallas and New Orleans game. You can because those games happened. They were not playing up to snuff. One guy being out of the lineup should not change an entire situation. But when push came to shove, the Eagles asserted themselves once again that they are the best team in the NFC. And that fan base was unbelievable last night. I mean, yeah. They, they, they were fun. They looked like they were having a ball. And on the five-year anniversary of 38-7, to and I can't believe it's been five years already, they win 38-7. to Poetic justice. New York, a great coach team. They have a bright future if they get a real quarterback. But for now, it is about the Philadelphia Eagles. I do got to give a shout-out, too, to Anthony Bruno, a friend of the show, because I was watching the game with him last night. Right before the game, he was like, I'm telling you, 38-7. That's how it's going to be. Did he seriously say I that? I swear to God. He was like, it's going to be like the Viking game. Oh, Bruno. He said it's going to be 38-7. And Good. sure enough. I love that. And he, considering Bruno. his nickname is Jinx, because he usually, like normally when he would say that, it would be 38-7, Giants would win, right? <laughs> but he, he completely busted through that stereotype of himself last night. I'm very proud of him. Very happy for him. I wish he put money on it, because that would have been nice. But, you know, if, if he did, it wouldn't have happened. So... Shout out to Ben uh, for keeping that secret to himself inside of his soul and allowing us to to enjoy it as well. A friend of mine put a uh, parlay on the game. Uh, he showed me the parlay before the game started. He had a uh, Boston Scott anytime touchdown, Jalen Hurts rushing touchdown, and Devontae Smith receiving touchdown. <laughs> put in $10, won $270 from that. Damn. So, Dude, yeah. That was, uh, he, he, as soon as Hurts scored, I texted him. I said, you son of a bitch. <laughs> The Boston <laughs> Scott one is the kicker there, but yeah. this, the Boston Scott one was the obvious one because here's the thing: he's the goal um, line Nick guy. Siri- well, Nick Sirianni knows about that whole thing with Scott owning the Giants, Scott being like the <laughs> Giant killer. You don't think Sirianni wanted to see that happen if they were at a comfortable point in the game where they could get Boston Scott a goal line look? You don't think he wasn't going to try? Nick Sirianni has his pulse. On the, has his finger on the pulse of this city. Yeah. Has his finger on the pulse of this team. I listen. I will be free. Fr- I will freely admit. I have been critical at times of Nick Sirianni. I have openly questioned whether you know he can really rally the guys in times of adversity. Um, and I think the Eagles over the last month faced a great deal of adversity, but they maneuvered through it. And and a credit at as much as I've been critical of this guy, Jonathan Gannon's unit that was. They were wrecking the New York Giants offensively. Saquon Barkley had 61 rushing yards, and it didn't feel like it didn't feel like he had 10 rushing yards. Yeah, no, it didn't. It didn't feel like you pretty much saw him. A lot of those were garbage time stuff, and I, you know, I'm going to refrain from giving Gannon too much credit because that that defense is talent stacked and it's healthy again too. Like you, you yes. can see, Well, they're Johnson still missing back. Avante Maddox. The hope is that Avante Maddox can right. be back for the NFC title game. Right, but you did get you know uh, uh, CJ Gardner Johnson back. You know, you still have huge, Darius Slay. Yeah, it, it, resign the guy. Yeah. Um. So I'm not. You know, Sirianni deserves all the credit as well. Gannon, he does, but I'm not going to go as far as to be like I was wrong about you because I and Shane Steichen a little bit because yeah. he did. Th- listen, a lot of fans have yelled at him to run the ball more, and they yeah. stuck with the run yesterday, and they needed to. The, the, as much as you want to see Jalen Hurts throw for 950 thousand yards in a game, yeah, this team's strength is ground and pound you to death. Throw only out of necessity. Yeah. Don't throw out of luxury. Yeah. Um, so as we turn things over, uh, let's let's just quickly talk about how the Miami Dolphins season ended. It yeah. ended last week. 
at the hands of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Cameron, when it is rare that you and I talk during football games, it is rare, like, you know, usually (laughs) if we text each other, it's because, you know, huge moments are happening. Yeah. And I sent you a text message when the Dolphins got the fumble recovery in the end zone to go up in that game. And I said, they're doing it. They're actually, they're, they're not just keeping pace with the Bills. They are arguably outplaying the Bills. With the limitations of Skylar Thompson, with the, with the dropping issues of Jalen Waddell, oh my God, yeah. they were sticking with them. Cameron, I know that you're going to say on this podcast how proud of you are, how proud you are of this Miami team. Um, was there any sense of law? Like, did you, is it one of those situations where you felt it was there, we could have had it if this goes our way, if we, just, if we don't get the delay going on fourth and inches? Like, or is it more of like a, they, they did the best they could and that's all I could ask for them? It's more of a they did the best they could. Because yeah. you're going to have those delay game issues when you have your third string quarterback in there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, it's, this is a rookie quarterback taking in the seventh round. The system's not built for him. This they can't a, all be Brock Purdy. Yeah, the, right. And, the, and, and this is a, a playoff atmosphere in Buffalo. Their first home playoff. It, you know, it's, it's, it, there's so many X factors stacked against them. A- am I disappointed? Do you have to get that shit down? Yeah, you do. You have to get that shit down. That's one of those things you have to tighten up. But again, like I said, rookie quarterback, third string quarterback, seventh round draft pick. Shit's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, the fact that the defense played as well as it did, given the injuries. I mean, the only starting cornerback they have that they started with at the beginning of the season is Xavier Howard. That's it. And he's been playing with an injured hamstring all season. So, uh, yeah, just the, the overall injuries Goodness gracious. is just disappointing. Like, it's disappointing because the feeling I have is it's still this feeling of not knowing. Like, to me, it's like I want to know how our team would stack up against their team. We saw that one time this year, and we beat them. And we saw it again in Buffalo it, the second time, but uh, there were some things. But the thing whatever. was, but the thing was, even in that second game, the snow like, and that that's history is going to forget it. That second game against Buffalo, the whole point was that they needed heated seats in Los Angeles because they were right. cold and fifty degrees. Right. How the hell are they going to handle yeah. a blizzard in Buffalo? They didn't just handle it. I mean, they were they were a player or two away from winning that game too. This team right. was eight and three. 12 games into the season and the feeling around this team was this is a Super Bowl contender this is a team that can you know absolutely contend with the Bills the Chiefs the Bengals all those teams and all and it is a week-to-week league people because all it takes is one incident one isolated incident that can tank an entire season and unfortunately the Miami Dolphins were the recipients of that one isolated incident uh, several times, I guess you could say, with Tua's uh, head injuries. Now, yeah. thankfully, thankfully, the most important thing to come out of all that was that one Tua is fine enough where there's confidence that he's going to be ready. You know, he'll he'll, he'll be back there next season. Um, I would think a point of emphasis over the offseason, Cameron, for the Miami Dolphins has got to be offensive line, correct? It, it For sure. I would say that and defensive back depth. There's like kind of the two mm-hmm. holes. Because their defensive line, they have a good amount of depth, and they have a good, good defensive line. Their linebackers too, a little bit aged with uh, with Melvin Ingram, Jerome Baker's getting up there, but still they can still play formidably. You got Bradley Chubb, you got Jalen Phillips, you can throw as an outside linebacker as well. They're fine yeah. there. It's cornerback depth, and I would say yeah, offensive line, because their offensive line is not terrible. 
It's not not the worst offensive line of football like it was last year. It's, it's significantly higher than that. I'd say it's probably in the middle of the pack. You got to have a good offensive line. So make just yes, make it better. It doesn't matter. Just make it better. You know, maybe add a little bit to the run game, but I think they have a good committee as long as they're all healthy and playing well. I mean, we saw this year when they were healthy and playing well, they're they're they can run well. So I'm not upset about that. That's that's yeah, what I would say. Um, I would say the only thing that kind of sucks, like well, the, the the good and the bad, the silver lining of it is how they played on Saturday or Sunday last week was it gave me the feeling that the system. The, the coaching system that they're in, it works. Because if you can go toe-to-toe and end the game within three points against the Buffalo Bills at home with a third-string quarterback who you draft yeah. in the seventh round for a team that was not designed around his skill set, who the only reason why he's on this team is because he played really well in the preseason and he fought for his position there. You could keep within three points with the Buffalo Bills doing that. Something's working right. And you get the right pieces there Anybody can thrive in that type of system. So that gave me confidence moving forward. What makes me nervous moving forward, like you said, is Tua. If he plays next year and from here on out he's healthy, that's great. But what happens if he gets hurt again next year? The clock is ticking on this team. There's a very young team. They're all going to want to get paid. Jalen Wallace is going to want to get paid. Eventually Jalen Phillips is going to want to get paid. Tua, mm-hmm. if he keeps playing well, he's going to want to get paid. There's a lot of guys, a lot of young players on this team that are going to want to get paid. And you're not going to be able to keep them all. So the clock is ticking on if you can have a quarterback that can play and be available on the field or not. Put on my tinfoil hat here. I got a feeling that the Baltimore Ravens are going to franchise tag Lamar Jackson, right? Because I don't think he's going to accept the deal, whatever. No, I, I would imagine not either. And I don't think this is going to happen exactly, but I could see a scenario playing out where this happens. He gets franchise tagged. Tua gets hurt again next year. We get to next offseason. All of a sudden, Lamar Jackson's available as a free agent. Do we commit to Tua again after two, se- three seasons, really four seasons, of being injured every single year? Or do we bring home a speed demon, cannon, rocket arm quarterback in Lamar Jackson? I'm not saying I want that to happen. My ideal scenario would be Tua's healthy and good to go and we move forward. But would I be upset if that's... You know, if he gets hurt and he can't play and we have to have Lamar Jackson on our team, no. Because could you imagine the speed with Lamar Jackson, Jalen Waddle, and Tyreek Hill? Go ahead, play zone coverage. I'll just take off for 40 yards. Go ahead, blitz me. I'll just beat you over the top for 80 yards. It's a cheat code. It's fucking bullshit. There's no, they shouldn't be allowed to do it if the option even comes up. But. I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to look at this most optimistically way that if we do lose two, I mean, there are options moving forward. I just kind of wonder in my head. I just wonder out loud. Would um, you know, if, if if it deteriorates between you know Baltimore and Lamar, would a swapping of the quarterbacks make sense for both sides? You know, would I? I don't think it makes as much sense for Miami to move on from Tua necessarily as it would in this case for Baltimore to move on from Lamar if it turned rancid. But yeah. it might be something that both sides would be interested in. You know, if if it was decided that maybe Tua could use a fresh start somewhere else, and certainly Lamar could use a fresh start. But I don't ex- I don't expect that to happen this offseason. You not this offseason. Towards the, the following offseason as being a potential yeah, target not this, for that. This offseason they're gonna they're gonna give Tua the chance because they saw when he was healthy what he could do, and you know. They're going to give that yeah, guy tr- the chance, and he deserved the chance to do it. So I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, with but that. Cameron, how's he going? How's he going to get the ball to Tyreek Hill? That's what I want to know. <laughs> and that's, how's he going to do that? That's what I take away from this. That's why I'm so proud of Tua. Is you know what, dude? You prove people wrong, regardless of what they say. 
You proved them wrong. They said you couldn't get it to Tyreek Hill. They said you couldn't throw the ball at all. They said you couldn't come back. Whatever. You had just resounding mental toughness, moved forward, proved everybody wrong, and because your injuries were keeping you off the field, but yet you're still working hard to get back out there. Uh, he's earned my respect. He'll never, it'll never go away. So those, those those Alabama quarterbacks, man, let me tell you, they're something else. Uh, J- dude, um, yeah, I know. Well, yeah, we already talked about Jalen Hurts enough today. But <laughs> I'll do it again. I don't care, guys. Uh, it's it's incredible. Jalen Hurts is. I can't say it enough. Um, yeah. All right, so yeah. let's uh, let's kind of talk about the games that are uh, happening today. It is Sunday, mm-hmm. and it is the final day of the divisional round. We'll start with the early game of the day. The Cincinnati Bengals are in Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, this matchup was supposed to have taken place earlier this season. We all know what happened, the tragedy with DeMar Hamlin, or I don't want to say tragedy because he's he, he didn't die. He's I, alive. I can't do it, dude. I can't deal with the stranglehold. That the Dallas Cowboys have on this fucking league. Why is that game not primetime? Why is the Bengals-Bills not primetime? That's the game everybody wants to see. No one cares about the Cowboys 49ers. Let's be real here. Except for the Cow- except for Dallas and San Francisco. And no one cares about those two piece of shit cities anyway. The Bengals and the Bills is the game to watch. Why what do did San Francisco do? San Francisco didn't ask for this. They're 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 clearly giving Dallas the later time slot. I know and because that's why Dallas ridiculous. had the Monday night game. That's why it's not necessarily just because of Dallas being the hype team. And granted, they are the hype no, team. No, You're right it, about no, that. this is ridiculous. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of watching <laughs> but, Jason Garrett get analyst jobs. Every Dallas player and head coach who has done nothing has done nothing, and I have to listen to what they have to say about football. And now I have to watch their game in prime time. Dude, when, you watch in five oh. years. Five or ten years, Ezekiel Elliott will be on Monday Night Countdown with ESPN. Oh, you watch. Can't. No, I'm can't. calling it now. He can't, though. He's Ezekiel so Elliott will do it. I guarantee it. He's I so guarantee dumb. it. He's so dumb. He's the greatest Cowboys running back since Emmitt Smith. They're absolutely going to give him <laughs> a, a TV job. It, there is no doubt in my mind that they'll do that. But um, getting back to the, the, the matchup at hand, the, the Bengals and yeah, the Bills. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. Um, I, I, you said it when we had our last show that it didn't matter who was walking into Buffalo that day because of the whole situation with DeMar Hamlin. There was no team. The 07 Patriots or whoever were going to go and beat that Jaguars team. And ultimately, you were proven wrong because it was a very close game. But I just want to say this. And I, oh boy, I hope I don't catch flag for this. I think it would be better for the NFL if the Bengals won this game. And I'll tell you why. I think the Bengals are going to win this game. I do, but I'm picking the Bengals to win. Although the offensive line for the Bengals is is smashed to smithereens, and we'll see how the Bills' defensive line performs. I really believe that it would be better for the NFL for the Bengals to win because it prevents them from ever seeing what a neutral site conference title game looks like, and it would just be better for football to never, ever, ever, ever think about going down that road. I see that. Don't do it. I see that. I that's that's a very interesting perspective that I wasn't thinking about. That's a good point. Good point. It is yeah. It is so much yeah. better for the Bengals to win this game. Now, let's talk about why the Bengals, in your and I opinion, will win this game. It I starts done. and... Joe Burrow. I, it starts and ends with Joe That's Daddy. It. Joe Cool. That's it. That's it. That's the whole thing. He is <laughs> unbelievable. I understand that he wasn't like a standout against the Ravens last week. I get that. That that's a real that like that Ravens team was bad because they didn't have Lamar Jackson. That is still a decent defense that they have. He didn't need to be. That's the thing. He knows. He has this sick sensibility to know, like, when do I need to step up? No, it's not right now. I'm good. It's the Ravens. We're good. We're good. 
every time you need a drive from that guy, every time you need a drive, he he gives you a drive. Because in college, I would used to think like, okay, well, it's not going to be like that in the NFL. They make it like that now. The the great college players are turning the NFL into having to abide by their rules, not the other way around that we used to see when we were growing up. Troy Aikman didn't get to come from UCLA and turn the NFL into what college was for him. No, no, he had to adapt to the speed of the NFL, and he did. It's it's not as much like that anymore. Patrick Mahomes comes in the league first first full season starting, lights it on fire. Joe Burrow out mm-hmm. after the ACL injury mm-hmm. comes back, goes to the Super Bowl. Justin Jefferson, um, Jalen I mean, Hurts, yeah. two years. Yeah. Like every time we see these guys in now, yeah. there's a there's a learning curve obviously with each of these guys. Less so with Patrick Mahomes, more yeah. so with Jalen Hurts. But still, but, like it's to me, it's it's a it's ridiculous how often he does it, even on an NFL level. Joe, Burrow. yes, like you know what I mean? Yes, you know, it's so, unbelievable. Like, it's just like, well, he's not going to do it as consistently when he gets... No, he, he does. He's still... <laughs> now, dude, on they, the flip like, side... They were almost the end of the leading team in the NFC, or the AFC, like two weeks ago. <laughs> and no one talked about it because, like, silently, they were just beating the Chiefs and all these other, like, ridiculously good teams. They've beaten the Chiefs three times, um, <laughs> and I truly believe... Oh, if they I play really them again, they'll they, beat them. Yeah. They were going to beat the Bills that night before what happened to DeMar Hamlin. I oh, was... Yeah. I was very confident they were going to beat the Chief, the, the Bills. Rather, um, I would have put my money a, there as well. I think that they were just hot enough, and the and the Bills were kind of like the Bills are still very good, and we'll talk about them in a sec. But I just think that you, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, uh, uh, T. Higgins, all these guys, they make such amazing. Hayden Hurst, a very productive tight end, and yeah. then you look at things defensively. Sam Hubbard, and then you have uh, um, I always forget the I always had Hendrickson, yes. very good defensive uh, ve- defensive ends. Their secondary is okay. I mean, they they still for some reason they, they didn't upgrade from. Eli Apple. I, I have no idea why they didn't do that. But the linebackers have good perimeter speed. This is a good defense. Not a great defense. I wouldn't call them a great defense, but it's a good defense that can keep games close. And then if you keep a game close for Joe Cool, he's going to get you that touchdown that you need. And that, that's, that's all you need if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. That's it. That's it. Keep it, keep it within a two-score game in the final three minutes, <laughs> which is not asking a lot for a defense. That's all you got to do. No, it's, do it's not. Joe will handle the rest. He shouldn't have to. Now let, he will. Now let's talk about the uh, the Buffalo Bills for a second. Um, this season, again, coming into the year, they were expected to be – they were the clear-cut number two at least in the AFC. You, some argued that they were the number one. Yo, I argued that they were the number one mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. They have the big showing against the Rams. Now, we didn't know at the time that the Rams were about to embark <laughs> on, a, on the worst – follow-up to a Super Bowl champion season ever. The worst Super Bowl hangover ever witnessed. The worst Super Bowl hangover. In in recent memory. It's bad. Yeah. I mean, win the first two weeks in embarrassingly great fashion. They have that game against Miami, but they win, 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 win. Have a really weird loss to the Jets. And, oh, my God, they lose to the uh, Vikings. And all along, Josh Allen, who has been phenomenal – you don't have Brian Dable anymore, and all of a sudden he starts turning the ball over just a little bit more than yeah. you'd like to see him do that. Yeah, that had... reckless freshman that we saw a couple years ago, yes. he starts to kind of rear his ugly head at times. Yes, like just little things. Where, and that's that's why he would frustrate me this year, because I, I, I yes. owned him in fantasy for one of my leagues, and it would annoy me for that purpose too. But it was just times where I just thought, like, Josh, you're better than that, man. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like textbook stuff. You don't throw that ball. You don't throw in a panic like that. What are you doing? But he just, you're like now, you said, he seems like he's like resorting back to almost like, almost like when Barry Trotz left the Washington Capitals. <laughs> oh, here we go. And Alex Ovechkin. Alex Ovechkin, dude, all of a sudden, 
his plus minus numbers started dipping back uh, in the negative again. Just you know, just just making a comparison. We are a hockey podcast, you know. We saying. are, and listen, and and, and you the know, roots. it's only been like nine years since we talked about the Flyers. But <laughs> the best part is, is that for as reckless as he can be, and oh god, the interception against the Vikings. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, he still has his spectacular moments. Yeah, the de- the, the flick of the wrist to Stephon Diggs down the field, mm-hmm. Isaiah McKenzie. This team has so many weapons. I mean, like Dawson Knox. He is such a good tight end. He is as good of a tight end as you will find in football because he is always where he needs to be on the field. He's, Devin Singletary yeah. is a good short yardage running back. They have receivers. They have a very, very solid offensive line that doesn't get talked about enough nah. because of the bombastic play of Josh Allen. Defensively, a little banged up. They didn't have Micah Hyde for a lot of the season. They didn't. They lost Von Miller. They lost Jordan Poyer for a little bit too. Jordan they lost Phillips. Jordan Poyer. Yeah. But here they are. They're still they're still hanging around now. They are without I forget, I forget they're without someone today. I, I think it's de, um it's one of their defensive tackles that they're out. W- it out might be for Phillips. Today. Phillips. They were he, no, they he's didn't in last week. Okay, that's good for them. He's in. Someone else is out. But the point is that I know you hear this, you might think, oh man, they're really just favoring the Bengals. I know the Bills are good enough to win this game, but oh, yeah. Yeah. in the playoffs. You need a quarterback that is completely composed, will not turn the ball over, doesn't let the moment get too big. And we have seen Josh Allen before. When the moment gets just bright enough, he makes some really interesting decisions that leave you scratching your head. Cameron, I like the Bengals in this game. I like them by three points. I could not have done that better myself. That was the beautiful breakdown. You hit every point I wanted to make. I mean that's it. I got nothing else to say. Like that was no that you nailed it. Can like, we talk about Dallas and San Francisco now. It's like the, the that's the best game of the week. I've been told. Oh God, yeah. I don't even want to get anyway. Um, yeah, no, well, dude. Well, I I like yeah. you nailed it. They're they're both well built teams for what they are. Like you said, the, 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 I mean I think the the Bills are a better built team, but I agree. The Bengals have that X factor quarterback and. I've said, we've both said before that we don't necessarily think the quarterback is exactly the most important position in football as it's always deemed to be, unless you have that quarterback. You know, that mm-hmm. X factor, yes. that Aaron Rodgers, that Tom Brady, that, that Dan Marino, that Joe Burrow, that, you know, that John Elway, the Troy Aikman. Patrick like, Mahomes. It right. goes on and on. When you get these generational players, there was one, yes, yeah. those, are, those are the turning points of a team. Yeah. I mean, and Joe Burrow it, is it, that guy. He's always absolutely. He's proved to be that guy, the whereas Bengals, Josh Allen, not necessarily. The Bengals and the Chiefs are, I think, two of the greatest examples. And you can throw the Bills in this as well. Mm -hmm. Those three teams were mired in either terribleness or mediocrity for a long time. The Chiefs, with Alex Smith for a long time, never could get over the hump. They get Patrick Mahomes, everything changes. The Bills, from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Tyrod Taylor to EJ Manuel for a short time. They bring in uh, Josh Allen. He changes everything, but not at first. Not at first. He had to learn. And then they bring in Stephon Diggs, and oh my goodness, did his game take off. Took off. And then... The Cincinnati Bengals. You go from Andy Dalton, a okay quarterback in his prime. Yeah. You go to Joe. You go to Joe Burrow, and within two seasons, you are hoisting the Lamar uh, or um, the Lamar Hunt Trophy in <laughs> Kansas City. That tells me. That tells me that this team is so perfect for Joe, and Joe is so perfect for that team. Yeah. Um. And now we get to talk about. The greatest team in sports history, the Dallas Cowboys. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, firstly, Dallas is by far and away the greatest team ever assembled in any type of, you know, if, if there are aliens that have sports out there, it doesn't matter. The Cowboys are better. 
Dak Prescott is a Hall of Fame talent. He is better. Like, here's the thing. Dan Marino was like an average quarterback <laughs> in his heyday. Like, he was okay. I don't think he was anything special. Right. But Dak Prescott, no one throws an interception quite like he can. And I think that's what separates him from being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. All right, let's get into, let's get into. I'm yeah. done making the jokes. Um, so Dallas has the great game against Tampa Bay, and it was a genuinely great game. That's this mm-hmm. is not to take anything away from Dallas. Dak Prescott really shook off some bad rust that he had had the week before against Washington. The five total touchdowns, one of them rushing, four passing. The defense strangled. I mean. All year long, we knew that that Tampa Bay offense was terrible. Yeah. And uh, the Dallas, Dallas defense did not play down to competition. They smothered and probably ended Tom Brady's career. I know that there's something <laughs> he could go somewhere else. That that really should be it for Tom Brady. But this isn't like, about Tom Brady. He, he can, but he probably should. And it's probably not going to go well for him no matter where he goes. Just because, like, dude, you, well, you're going to be 46. It, it, you, you know, uh, he's not going back to his wife, that's for sure. <laughs> no. So um, they win their game 31-6 to over Tampa Bay. And they're feeling sky high. Now they have to travel to San Francisco, the team that had ousted them from the playoffs the year before on one of the worst play calls I've ever seen in my life, a quarterback draw with less than 20 seconds left. What the hell were you doing, Kellen? Yeah, Uh, they deserved enough. The San Francisco 49ers are on an 11-game winning streak. Brock Purdy has proven that Kyle Shanahan's system works for any quarterback Mm -hmm. that has the simple smarts. If Tom Brady goes to San Francisco next year, it's not going to happen. Uh, he would win a Super Bowl there because he's smart enough to run that system. I do no, um, I I could see honestly, you know who I see going there? I don't wanna I don't like it. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, that'd be scary. Yeah. Yeah, he, that's the team that won, he wanted to draft. That's him what I'm saying. He's ago, from yeah. San Francisco, but maybe that might be why he doesn't, because he's like, "Fuck you guys!" Like, because you didn't draft me all those years ago. I could see him <laughs> doing that too. But yeah, no, uh, yeah, Kyle Shanahan to me is the big takeaway from the whole Brock Purdy situation. It, like, yes. It, it, yeah, his his coaching system is system's great. The the utilization of the weapons that they have, the play schemes built it's around the weapons so that they have. So many weapons. It's yeah, but the thing is, is like every one of them, there's like a different play call designed for each one, right? There's like different play calls oh, yeah. just for Christian McCaffrey, different play calls just for Debo, different play calls just for George Kittle, just for Brandon Ayuk. Like, mm-hmm. it's just yeah, it's. It's beautiful textbook and, and offensive And just football. when you think beautiful. that you've got that covered, you've got Eliza Mitchell coming out of the backfield, too. Right. So that's another yeah. guy that you got to deal with. An offensive line that has done such a good job of protecting Brock Purdy, letting him settle in, letting him get comfortable, and the defense. Don't even get me started on the defense. If, if it's not Nick the best, Bosa. it's top three. It's... It's the best defense in football. Nick yeah. Bosa, Fred Warner, Jimmy Ward, on and on and on. These guys are mm-hmm. so good and. Seattle stuck with him for a half, and you're like, okay, all right, let's let's see. Seattle. Nope, mm-mm, absolutely not. That game was over three minutes into the second half. Mm-hmm. That is what San Francisco does. They strangle you like a boa constrictor. They have no regard for who they are playing on the field. Now, people will say, much like the Philadelphia Eagles, well, you know, they didn't play like top tier teams. You know, by the time they played Miami, Miami was already kind of on a downfall. They played Seattle a couple times. Seattle's not that good. Like, are we really <laughs> going to say that the Rams? I don't. You can only play one who's on your schedule, and you can only beat who's yeah. on your schedule. And as long as you're beating those teams, that's all that matters. This game, it it shouldn't be this close. Dallas, Dallas should lose this game. I would think. I think the final score is going to be something along the lines of thirty to fourteen. I just cannot see the Cowboys winning this game. Yeah, like I, th- I think I, I can see them winning it. I, I wouldn't put my money on that, uh, but I can see them winning it. And I'll explain why in a minute. But I. I it's either going to be an extremely close game that 
Dallas wins or San Francisco wins, or it's going to be a blowout by San Francisco. San Francisco is going to stop them. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of those two. The, I don't. So, I don't so think the Cowboys. De- what's that? Definitely not Cowboys blowing out the Niners. No, eh? no I don't. I okay. don't see that happening whatsoever <laughs> because that de- like you said, that defense is just too damn good. But to me, the X factor of why it'll be a closer game is we all talk about Brock Purdy and how great he's played so far, and he has. He has. He's blown everybody's mind, right? With the, the Mister Irrelevant is is playing at an elite level. Let's let's be honest here. He's playing unbelievably good. He is. He's just playing perfectly. But we do talk about Dallas and how you know you made the joke about how they're the greatest team of all time, blah blah. But their defense and specifically their pass rush is really really good. It's the reason why they dominated Tampa last week. They were just in Brady's face the whole time. Brock Purdy's never had to deal with that, ever, ever. He's never had to deal with not only an extremely good pass rush in the NFL, the best pass rush in the NFL at this level, ever. That, to me, is why it might be a close game. But I also don't see the Dallas Cowboys offense doing that much against the San Francisco defense anyway. So it's kind of a which of those offenses do I think is going to score more, and I still think San Francisco is still going to score more. Because they have just, think, just more of a variety of what they can do. They just have so many players. You know, yeah. go ahead. If you if you think you've bracketed Debo, you're, that means you're leaving George Kittle or Brandon mm-hmm. Ayuk open. Mm-hmm. Uh, McCaffrey just he is so versatile out of the backfield, and credits to Christian McCaffrey for really kind of reviving his career in this new situation. Like yeah. a huge credit to him for turning that around. It's him and I, Saquon. I got to admit, like them not getting injured this year. That's crazy, and it. You see what it did for the teams that they were on. I mean, absolutely, night and day. For the Giants, they rode Saquon into the ground. He started yeah. to get a little banged up. They had to back off a little bit. They were still able to make the playoffs, and they were able even to win a playoff game. Why? Because Saquon was fresher against the Minnesota Vikings. And yes. He wasn't as run down. Christian McCaffrey, he has not been used at, at too much. He's been used just the right amount of times that you want to utilize a guy like that, and that's all yeah. you need to do. Yeah. Shanahan he played um, it perfectly. He used him enough to use him, but not to injure him. Just yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, no. if there was one game I am predicting Kyle Shanahan to have studied when it came to the Cowboys, I believe he will have studied the first Eagles Cowboys game because he will see how Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen were able to take Micah Parsons out of the game. Yeah. Okay. The Eagles. The Eagles' strategy going into that game was every team is trying to double-team and chip Micah Parsons. Here's what we're going to do. When we run our RPOs, we're going to leave him completely unblocked. We're going to force him to make a decision. Come after Hurts or try and guard the receiver that is running right by him. Parsons, in my opinion, made the right read and tried to go after Hurts, forced the quarterback to make the throw. Hurts made the throw. This happened on three separate occasions during that game, but each time the Eagles were able to get either a touchdown, once to Brown, or two big first downs that helped them continue the drives that resulted in scores. This is where you can neutralize a Micah Parsons. You can chip him, sure. There, there's nothing wrong with chipping a great defensive lineman. But I think that when you force a defensive lineman to make a read and react play, you stand a much better chance at moving, the, staying ahead of the sticks. I, I am, I am blown away at how good Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan is of a schemer. I can't believe I'm going to say this. He might be better than his dad as a head coach. Uh, like he might the, be the jury's still out because like his dad has a long legacy, but his his dad is two Super Bowls as a head coach yeah. with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, and um, he's. Uh, I, I think mean, Kyle's better for for his Kyle, age. What he's able to do so far, he's yeah. on pace to be better than him. Yeah, 
Yeah. I, again, and I, I'm telling you, people would just be like, come on, like Mike is – it's Mike Shanahan. I understand it's Mike Shanahan. Kyle is the smartest offensive mind in football. Yes, I say that knowing Sean McVay is still in the NFL. I know that Sean McVay is still around in the NFL. Kyle Shanahan creates the best offense. What better smoking gun than having missed the last player taken in the draft as your quarterback and you're – you haven't skipped a beat. Like Nasim missing a beat. Right. Like you're not you're not wrong. But the only thing I will counter to your to your argument cuz like I I see what you're saying cuz Kyle if anybody can figure out a way to neutralize Micah Parsons by looking at other footage and that kind of shit it's Kyle Shanahan he's going to find out something. But in that example you used of how the Eagles beat them. There's one major difference. I understand he's playing well. Brock Purdy ain't Jalen Hurts. Nobody, <laughs> nobody runs an RPO better than Jalen Hurts this season. Nobody, nobody. No, they don't. And I, I did see the, um, the, uh, the news out there that Jimmy Garoppolo might um, be ready in some capacity to come back. For the, that's not going to happen. By I was going to say, do they you win. do that though? Do you do that? Do you put him in? Absolutely not. You do not. If Jimmy Garoppolo is still kind of injured, there's no reason to go away from Brock Purdy if you continue to win. But more importantly. Despite the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is 30,000 times more handsome than Brock Purdy will ever be, <laughs> that's not enough justification to start him. I'm sorry. I mean, he is so good looking. But I just can't I can't give him the football when Brock Purdy <laughs> hasn't made the critical mistakes. He hasn't. Right. He just simply has not. And with that, ends Trey Lance's time in San Francisco. It doesn't matter how the season turns out. There is no chance Trey Lance is the quarterback for the Niners next season. There's no way. No dude. chance. He, the only reason why he is is because of... Uh, uh, Colin Coward. Oh my God! I fully believe it's just that was all a conspiracy theory, dude. He was dating his daughter, and he was like, "I gotta boost boost this guy up because if my daughter ends up marrying this dude, I want I want I want that first round pick contract money because he's not gonna last I, in the league. So he needs the most that he can get up front. And if he gets taken in the second round, that's like an extra ten million we just lost. We need as much it's as amazing. we can get. You like? Can you imagine dating a girl as good looking as Liv Cowherd, knowing that her father is Colin? You're just like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I cannot date. The daughter of the one of the just most ludicrous TV personalities out there. I can't do it, especially now while I'm going to be playing football. Yeah, I, I, it's definitely not a great idea. I, you know, follow your heart, no. follow your heart, but it's not exactly a great idea. I would say to, to I mean, they any journalist, family member, but when you're an athlete. But yeah, no, nah, dude, I don't think Coward's the worst, but he's certainly not the best. <laughs> well, no, Skip's the worst. Skip, right, right. I was gonna, yeah, yeah. Skip, Skip is by far and away the worst. Yeah, and there's no debate there that he's insufferable. But um, um, yeah, yeah. Trey Lance is done. So what? What was that? <laughs> he's done. He's done. He was done oh, when yeah, Jimmy signed that contract. It's over. It's over. It's over. He's so done. Um, so with that said, uh, we're gonna be bringing in, we're gonna be bringing this episode to a close in a second. But before we sign off completely, uh, I guess you know we should just say that. Um, one, these playoffs have been pretty entertaining. I uh, didn't even mention it, but Kansas City obviously getting the win over Jacksonville. It wasn't surprising. Patrick Mahomes had the scary, scary thing with the ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll see how that affects him next week, regardless of whether they're playing in Atlanta or they have to play in Kansas City. Yeah. But uh, shout out to Dougie P, man, for making it a game for unbel- Coach of the Year, Coach dude, of for, the year, for man. getting them to where they needed to go. Yeah, dude. I mean, Urban Meyer's coaching career needs to be dead just because oh, yeah. of what Doug Peterson was able to come in and do. They hail Urban Meyer as some genius, and they tell me that Doug Peterson's just kind of a, a goofball and not really a, a great head coach. Well, that may be true in the college realm, but yeah. in the NFL, Doug Peterson commands a locker room the way that Urban Meyer 
can't even command his own marriage. So <laughs> f that guy and good for Doug Peterson. I'm just so happy for him. I'm Me just too. So happy Me too. And I, I, you know, I feel like we all, everyone in Philadelphia, just needs to, you know, if you haven't already, unless you were pioneering and had his back the whole time, got to apologize to him, dude. I mean, he brought the ring here. He 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 fell on his Eagles sword history. for Carson Wentz, which he didn't need to do. It was an honorable thing. Just yeah, Doug Peterson uh, deserves all the flowers he could get. God bless the guy. I I Carson Wentz, man, what a what a guy, what a guy. What can I say about him? Yeah. Uh, for the Fly Guys podcast, my name is Justin Goodhart. This has been Cameron Klein. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Fly Guys Podcast at Goodhart Justin at Cameron Klein fifteen. If you are enjoying Victory Sunday as an Eagles fan, enjoy the football games today, uh, and hopefully, you know, by the time that we know who our opponent is going into tomorrow, you'll be feeling even more confident as an Eagles fan. Uh, Be happy, be healthy, and as always, fly, Eagles, fly.